To those of you listening to us on the Internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this ninth Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for this day. You heard it read before from Luke chapter 10. I recall just these words. Martha, Martha, you worry and fuss about a lot of things. There is only one thing you need. Mary has made the right choice, and that one thing will not be taken away from her. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who truly was and is the Word made flesh, my beloved. The message this morning is about setting priorities. I think we would all like to think that uh, we all set our own priorities in life. You know, uh, the most important things, what should come first and what should come second and what should come third. But I think in reality, when you take a look at it, The setting of priorities is really done by someone or something else. Does the 25th to the 29th mean anything to any of you? Those are the dates of next week's Vacation Bible School. And you know what that means? For many of us here at Beautiful Savior, we already have our priorities set for us from the hours of 5 to 9, Monday through Friday, next uh, the following week. We might like to do some other things like sitting out on the patio, but we will be here because it's the 25th through the 29th. Oh, you want to put in a new patio, and that was your top household priority for the year, but the furnace died. And now the most important thing is the furnace. The words before us this morning... I think are most familiar, they're the account of Jesus visiting the home of Mary and Martha, two of his friends. Martha thought that she had her priorities in the proper order, but Jesus turned her priorities upside down. He spoke these words, there's only one thing you need. Now, don't get ahead of me here this morning, because I think as I'm uh, speaking these words, oh, pastor, I already know the one thing that's needed. But you know, uh, Scripture is profoundly simple and simply profound. So let's get to the exact meaning as to what that one thing most needed in your life is. And so we take a look in at that little home in the town of Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem, the home of uh, Mary and Martha. And there's a whole lot of activity going on because Jesus just arrived. Wherever Jesus went, he attracted a large crowd. And uh, Jesus also was surrounded by a large crowd wherever he went. And so we can see immediately why Martha must have been a little panicked. Because, you know, uh, when Jesus traveled around, he looked for friends to take him into his home. Because uh, Marriott and uh, Holiday Inn and Best Western hadn't been uh, invented yet. And so Jesus needed a place to eat and to sleep. But the problem was Jesus was always surrounded by an entourage of people. You know, there were the 12 disciples, 
And then there was usually an auxiliary group, two of men and women that supported Jesus. So there could be maybe two or three dozen uh, people all of a sudden descending on your home and there were no cell phones to give you a forewarning. What was it now already? A couple of weeks back, we had a family reunion. My brother tries to do this at his lake home every two years around the 4th of July. And our family now numbers about 100 they can't always come for my uh, mom's 90th birthday. What was it, four years ago, three years ago? Uh, everybody came, and there was almost 100 people. This last summer, 55 people came. You know what that means for my brother and my sister-in-law? They got to cut the lawn, get the yard all looking good, set up all the chairs, clean the inside of the house, clean certainly the bathrooms, and then prepare their part of the, uh, the food for the picnic. And then everybody descends on them, and of course you leave a lot of your junk around, and a lot of people try to clean it up, but they end up cleaning it up at the end anyway. And finally they go home after entertaining all those people, and they're exhausted. Sometimes hospitality can be really a grueling thing. It's no wonder when Martha was trying to make everything so perfect for Jesus, and she saw Mary there sitting at Jesus' feet, Listening to his words, you might say that she said uh, to Jesus in the vernacular of 2016, you know, Jesus, I could use a little help here. Uh, Maybe Martha could do a little less listening and a little more working. And then our Savior's words that reset all of Martha's priorities. Martha, Martha, you are worried and you fuss about many things. But there's only one thing that you need. There's only one thing. Jesus is saying, I want to talk to you about the most necessary thing of life, the most important thing. And everything else needs to follow in a distant second place. Now, let's not be too harsh on Martha this morning, you know, saying, oh, you know, sort of like Martha Stewart, she's always on TV cooking on that cooking show. And cooking is the most important thing of her life, you know. Martha was a faithful follower of Jesus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was Martha before that. Even Martha said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. But for a moment, Martha got her priorities mixed up. You see, Martha misunderstood uh, who was serving and to whom that service was being done, and to what was being served. She thought that, Jesus, that she was serving Jesus with good food and a clean house, whereas Jesus wanted to serve her with the bread of life and the living water. Martha forgot that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, Martha had to be reminded That serving Jesus is an activity that comes after his service of sacrifice to us. Mary had to be reminded that our serving Jesus always follows his serving us. And so Jesus set her priorities straight and said, uh, Martha, Martha, uh, there's only really one thing that you need. And so we should say this morning that uh, 
what Jesus was talking about was not a commodity, but an activity. You see, the first priority of your life is not a commodity. It's not your bank account. It's not your stock portfolio. It's not your job contract. It's not a college diploma. In fact, the, the most needed, the one most needful thing of life is not a commodity at all. It's an activity. I want to demonstrate the difference between the two this morning. Everybody knows what this is, don't you? You're today's light. This is a commodity. The guidelines, the extended guidelines for the week, this is a commodity. The book, the Bible, a commodity. It's not what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the one thing needed. He's talking about an activity. Here's the activity. You open up today's light. I was already doing a little study ahead for tomorrow, Monday. It says, read 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2. So I did. King David said, summon the priest Zadok, the prophet Nathan and Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. So they came to the king and he said, take my officials with you, put my son Solomon on my mule and take him to Gihon. Have the priest Zadok and the prophet Nathan anoint him king of Israel there. Then blow the ram's horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Follow him back here when he comes to sit on my throne. He will be king in place of me. I have appointed him to be the leader of Israel and Judah. So be it, Benina said, son of Jehoiada, answered the king. The Lord your God says so too. As the Lord has been with you, so may he be with Solomon. May Solomon be an even greater king than you, King David. Then the priest Zadok and the prophet Nathan, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Perethites, put Solomon on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. The priest Zadok took the container of olive oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. You see, that's the activity, actually reading the Bible. And I read that yesterday and it blew my mind and I had to say, Peg, Peg, you got to listen to this. Because on Palm Sunday, you know, we always talk about Jesus riding on a donkey, a mule, into the city of, of Jerusalem. You know what he was doing? He was simply emulating the great King Solomon, his great, 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 great ancestor, who rode to his coronation ceremony to be anointed on a donkey. Jesus is a king greater than King David, greater than King Solomon, and he rides in humility like King Solomon rode to his coronation through the gates of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Forevermore in my ministry, Palm Sunday will be forever changed because not of this commodity, not of the other commodity, but because of an activity. It seem, really seems so elementary doesn't it? But it's really so very profound that the one thing that Jesus is talking about is listening to the message. There, believe it or not, there are some churches uh, you can go into where on Sunday morning they will take the Bible and lift it up. And then the pastor may put it down on the lectern and then he kisses the Bible. I suppose there's nothing really wrong in you know, they're talking about the sacredness of Holy Scripture, but it doesn't do you any good to kiss the book. Or to elevate the book, you've got to open the book and read the book. That's when the power is released. So how do we go about listening to the message of the open Bible? Well, sometimes we listen with our eyes when we read it. Sometimes we listen with our ears when we hear it. Uh, sometimes we actually um, hear it when we taste it. 
when Jesus, with his real presence by body and blood, through bread and wine, come into our body for the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes babies listen to that word when that water touches their skin and through the power of holy word, the message penetrates their hearts. And so what is the message that we're supposed to be listening to? To get it exactly right, perhaps this morning we should say what the message is not. Because a lot of churches today get it all wrong. When you walk into a lot of churches today, what you hear is the golden rule. Do unto others what you think they should, and and treat others like they should uh, treat you. You know the golden rule? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Go out and do that now, everybody. And then the world, politics, uh, nations, everything will be a better place in which to live. Wrong. Some churches uh, you go into and they, they look at this book and they think that this is a big rule in a law book. Uh, obey the Ten Commandments. Be good little boys and girls. Follow the rules as best as you can and then perhaps God will take you to heaven someday. That's not the message. Well, then just, is, just exactly what is the message that God wants us to continue to listen to? I don't think anybody said it better in all of Holy Scripture than St. John, chapter 1, when he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But this morning, for more, uh, you might say, effect, better effect, and to really bring out the, the, the meaning, I want to change the, the word word to the word message. And so for uh, John, chapter 1, sounds like this, In the beginning was the message. And the message was with God, and the message was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The message became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So what's the message? Jesus is the message. In fact, when Jesus came into the world, he was both the message and the messenger. And the people rejected the message and they killed the messenger. But he didn't stay dead. He said, behold, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am live again forever. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You know, when it comes right down to it, did you ever think about how messages are one of the most important things in your life. Not the most important thing, but one of the most important things. Messages are sort of an unwritten priority of life. What kind of messages? The messages on your answering machine at home. The messages on your email. Your text messages, and for those of you who are Instagram and all that other stuff, uh, Twitter and all that, those are messages too. And if you don't keep listening to the messages, you get into big trouble. You get a message, it tells you that the uh, meeting for next week is canceled. You show up because you didn't read your message. All of a sudden, the meeting was uh, 
uh, designated to be tomorrow, but you didn't read your messages, and so you weren't at the meeting. Without listening to messages, you might say in life, you're dead. Without listening to the message, you're dead. St. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But then he also went on and said, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Jesus is the bread of life. He gives us the living water. Those are our spiritual nutrients. You get cut off from the bread of life and the the living water, you die of dehydration and starvation. And don't tell me, but 20 minutes of hearing God's word once a week is not enough. It's a starvation diet. What is all those things? What are all those things that get in our way from uh, involving ourselves in the one thing needful each day? Well, there's all those daily and nighttime activities and distractions. I don't know how your day goes, but perhaps it's a little bit something like this. The alarm clock rings, and you hop out of bed, and you start with all your bathroom activities, you know, showering and combing your hair, and then a little bit of breakfast, and then you pack the lunches for your kids and for yourself, and then um, you help get the kids off to school, and then you get in the car and you drive to work through the rush hour, And then uh, you put in your busy schedule until lunch, then you eat a little lunch, then it's time to go back to your busy schedule once again, and then you drive your your car home in the rush hour, you eat supper, you take the kids to soccer practice, pick them up, uh, watch a little 10 o'clock news, fall into bed exhausted. And what happened to the one thing needful? 16 hours, 8 hours in bed, During the 16 hours, there's got to be some time for the one thing needful. Oh, and then there's all those bedtime distractions too. Lie awake at night. Keep thinking about the mortgage and the car payments and the sick kids and the car repairs that are needed and your dental appointment for the next day and all of a sudden you're in a cold sweat. Sometimes when I lie awake at night, I like to think that Jesus is standing right next to my bed because he is. And sometimes I like to think of him saying, Richard, Richard, you worry and fuss about many things. Of course, I'm Jesus' friend, so he'd probably say, Rick, Rick, you are worried about so many things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then you get up and you read a couple Psalms, uh, take a drink of milk, and then go back to bed and fall asleep like a baby. As we look forward to all the upcoming activities of this coming week, what are the priorities on your list? You see, the most important thing on your priority list has already been set for you by Jesus. And you have already made a pretty good start because you're here. Your Savior served you once again with God's Word. And to all of our neighbors who live around us, and when you get home, you know, they say something like, oh yeah, that's right, it's Sunday, you had to go to church, didn't you? And you can answer him by saying, no, I just had to go once again to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his Word. 
as we begin our upcoming week, we need to repent of all of our sins of negligence, of hearing God's word. And uh, maybe we can use some reminders. You know, every time you look at your email, every time you look at your cell phone, every time you look at a text message, remember what's the most important message that you need to listen to. And all we have to do is listen. Listen and hear. Listen and believe. Listen and be saved. Revelation chapter 3. Here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. God granted for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time together our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. Thank you. 